Previously on Last Points. Before episode two came out, there was a great series of little mini documentaries on StarWars.com. It was like on location, I think it was called. And it was Ahmed Best going around interviewing cast and like crew for Attack of the Clones. And they were great. And he was perfect. And those are nowhere to be found anymore. Yeah, it's a shame there's a, a treasure trove of these behind-the-scenes things that are hiding somewhere. Hopefully, Lucasfilm will put them back out or somebody has them on a VHS tape somewhere and they can get them up on get them up on YouTube. They were fantastic. I just remember really enjoying them. It's weird. They were not on the DVD. They're not archived on StarWars.com at all or anything. They're somewhere. They're sitting somewhere. Yo, what's up? This is Ahmed Best taking over the web. Star Wars episode two. One, two, peace. everywhere welcome to episode number 210 of blast points this is jason and this is gabe it's crazy out there (laughs) yes things are very interesting right now they're they're probably even more interesting now whatever day this is tuesday now when this comes out from when we from when we recorded this to when this comes out who knows who knows maybe we'll all be living on the moon we don't know. We don't know the 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 rate things are going. Yeah, but yeah, things are things are weird. Things are real weird. Nobody knows what's going on. But one thing we do know, it's going on. One thing we knew, we do know that we need right now. We need the best. You wanted the best. You got the best. <laughs> Nothing will do but the best. The best is yet to come. We're talking about Ahmed Best. He was the best of us. He is the. He's the best out there. He is the best. There ever was. Well, and we got a secret leaked picture of his Jedi show this week from, what was that even from? I don't, yeah, that's the thing. It showed up on Reddit. It looked like it was like a picture, like somebody took a picture in a magazine with their phone or something. I don't know where it came from, but everything in that picture looked absolutely perfect. Yeah, it's exactly how I pictured it in my dreams. It's like Jedi Master Ahmed Best with a protocol droid that looked incredible, a little astromech droid, and then a bunch of kids doing in-universe Star Wars game show activities. And it's just everything looked great. Like the 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 background looked great, the kids looked great, the droids looked great, but it's 
I couldn't help just looking at that picture and looking at Ahmed Best dressed as a Jedi and be like, yes, yes. He looked like he's having a blast. Those are the luckiest kids in the world. Well, all the kids that end up on that show, I cannot wait to watch that show. I'm so happy they didn't let adults be contestants on that show. <laughs> yeah, I hope they never do. As much as I want to be on that show, I hope they never let adults. It's not for you adults. We can watch it. <laughs> it's just for the best. That It's for the best. Well, and if you're wondering why would they have Ahmed Best host a show, we're going to tell you why. Yeah, it's not his first time hosting something for Star Wars. And he's not just good at acting and dancing and all the other things, motion capture, watching kung fu movies, all the stuff we know he's good at. He's also very, very good at interviewing people. I would go as far to say he's the best. (laughs) I sense a theme today. Perhaps you remember back last year when we did our uh, Jar Jar tribute episode as part of Phantom Menace Year. And as you heard in this episode's intro, in part of that episode, we looked back on the then not available anywhere series that Ahmed Best did for StarWars.com. It started in 2000, just the year after Phantom Menace, where he was going around the set of Attack of the Clones while it was filming, interviewing cast and crew. And I can't remember, can you remember, Gabe, did they come out like weekly or just randomly or every other week? Or? I don't remember. That was the really wild times there. We were... So fresh off of Phantom Menace, just finding out about Attack of the Clones. They would. I remember they they would just show up randomly and be like, "Oh my god!" They were and I like watching them again, all of them getting ready for this episode. It really took me back to that period of time of Attack of the Clones anticipation. I was pretty excited for the Phantom Menace to come out, but I might have been even more excited for Attack of the Clones <laughs> to come out. I think you're right. It's because we, before Phantom Menace, we didn't know what we were going to get. And after Phantom Menace, we knew what we were going to get and we were ready for more of it. <laughs> and waiting for, yeah, Attack of the Clones is like, what are they going to do now? With all, he had, Lucas has all these powers now. How is he going to use his powers? He's a dream making machine man. All his dreams are real. I feel, was, wasn't the Ahmed best videos, and we'll, we'll get to it when we get there, but I feel like it, it was one of the first times we ever saw Hayden Christensen, or at least I remember I heard him talk. Because like watching that one, when we get to it too, I was really taken back of like, God, I I remember watching this and like analyzing every word that like Hayden Christensen said. Yeah, it may be the first time, yeah, we at least like saw him in motion while speaking. Because he had been in other movies and I we may have gotten a costume photo trying to yeah i'm trying like i remember the revenge of the sith costume photo vividly of him in the hallway with his scar and all that but i'm trying to yeah remember the when they announced him or later on if there was like what does older anakin skywalker look like if they had released an image or not i remember he was on the cover of star wars insider but even not as anakin it was like a just a photo of hayden christensen and it was like, meet the new Anakin Skywalker. I remember that and being like, oh my God, this is so weird. But yeah, these videos are amazing. It's a real time capsule of, yeah, that Attack the Clones anticipation, the hype, the excitement. Well, it was really one of, if not 
the first like web interview documentary kind of things. I mean, the internet was still pretty new and the idea of just sending someone around with a video camera and a microphone on the set of a movie wasn't really a thing we had before. And it's, you know, it's all over the place now. We kind of take it for granted. Like, well, they always promoted movies like that, but not really. Yeah. And if you're, if you're wondering like a good signpost of when this was made, the amount of times Ahmed best calls it the World Wide web. Yeah. It's like, Oh, that's right. We used to say that, didn't we? And he gives out the URL. like Just in case you're confused what you had to do when you had a computer in front of you. Right. Well, what's the AOL keyword? I don't know how to do it. Yeah, so it goes back to, it was our episode number 173, the Jar Jar episode. Uh, we put it out on June 4th of last year. And shortly after the episode came out, fantastic listener uh, Matthew Thurbun... I hope I'm saying your last name right. I'm so sorry if I'm not. In Australia, he was listening to the episode The Jar Jar Renaissance, still on a high from Star Wars Celebration in Chicago and the episode one panel. And when we mentioned the on-location webisodes with Ahmed Best, all like all his memories of that Attack of the Clones hype came flooding back to him when a new Star Wars movie was being filmed in his hometown of Sydney. And he was obsessed, he said, with the, the Ahmed Best videos because he was interviewing a bunch of local Australian actors and filmmakers, which was a big deal, totally big deal. So he didn't he had no clue that the Ahmed Best videos weren't available anywhere. And he he was cleaning out his music room uh study Star Wars hoarding area, and he found he said hundreds of CDRs that were just labeled Star Wars. <laughs> so he said like in the early 2000s, he was a digital hoarder burning everything he could to CDRs. And he been archiving like prequel trailers and online videos and making ofs and all kinds of stuff from StarWars.com. Yeah, and he like struck gold and started uploading all 30 episodes of Ahmed Best On Location to YouTube. And yeah, Ahmed Best even retweeted like a bunch of posts and in a bizarre <laughs> way, like us being like, where, where happened to those things? And then he was listening to that and he's like, oh, maybe. And then, yeah, next thing we know, Ahmed Best was talking about it. Dreams really do come true. <laughs> yeah. So, and Matthew, by the way, too, he used to work in the suburb next to Fox Studios in Sydney. And he, he was saying how he remembered during the filming of episode two and three, he would often take the long route back to Central Station after work and have uh, drinks at a place called the Fox and Lion Pub, which was right next to Fox Studios. Always hoping to see some of the stars of the film, but never happened. But he swears he saw Ewan McGregor at a Supergrass uh, super concert. In 2000, which I totally believe that Hugh McGregor was going to see Supergrass. He probably hung out with them. <laughs> he probably grew extra big sideburns just for the show. So, Well, he had a sweet Obi-Wan beard at the time. So, It's amazing. It's crazy that these the, the chain of events happened that it did. These videos are awesome. We're going to get into each and every one of them. And it's, yeah, so it's, it's I'm at best and he's followed around by a cameraman right like what's the deal with the cameraman luckily uh because 
Ahmed responded to this on Twitter. He mentioned that his partner in crime behind the camera on all of these was a friend of his, Spencer Susser, who I believe was uh, one of the camera crew for kind of the behind the scenes documentary stuff. It looks like that he may have worked on the R2-D2 behind the dome and now is like, as an editor, he worked on The Greatest Showman with the the Hugh Jackman movie and some other movies. So he's still out there making stuff. And in 2000, he was following Ahmed Best around as they interviewed anyone and everyone they could on the set of Attack of the Clones in Sydney. The things he has seen. Oh, the stuff of legend. <laughs> mythical, mythical times. Well, and that is really the thing with these. And, and as we go into them, we'll, we'll talk more about it. But, like, it really is part of what's one, so fun about these is the the range of people he talked to from, you know, the big man George Lucas himself down to just random crew people setting up lights or painting sets. Like, he's he talks to everyone from all over the place. And it is actually a really informative kind of behind the scenes thing of just all the different types of people that it takes to make a big movie. So in addition to just being a lot of fun is it, it is very educational, which is kind of what all the best behind the scenes stuff is. It's that combination of just entertainment value plus actually feeling like you're learning something. And no matter who it is he's talking to, I feel like he just literally ran up to them yeah. and just started <laughs> There's so many. We'll get into. There's so many people that are just like, ah. Well, and I think it's a it's great to see too, where you just realize how awesome of a person Ahmed Best is. That he was there, he was on set, he knew he didn't have as big of a role in the movie, and he was still he was there hanging out, watching everything, and just making the most of being there. You know, some people would be like, oh, they cut my part or whatever uh, i'm gonna sit in my trailer or whatever and he's just living it up being a star wars fan on set and having a good old time i wish every movie every star wars movie or every movie in general had ahmed best behind the scenes videos it should it should just be a you know does does that movie have commentary okay does it have ahmed best behind the scenes stuff okay i don't care what movie it is yeah it's too bad they didn't keep it going at least for revenge of the sith it would have been great Having him running around for that, too. Luckily, these now exist in some form on YouTube, but it's like, why Why aren't these on? I mean, we said it in the, the Jar Jar episode. Why aren't these on the Blu-rays? Why aren't these on Disney Plus or something? Because they, they're great. And if there's higher quality versions out there, I think people need to see this stuff. So maybe maybe someday with Disney Plus now, some of this stuff will, will have a place to live. It is weird. There is so much, especially in the prequel era, that was put out that has now just disappeared. But thanks to folks out there like Matthew, <laughs> who were very wise back in 2000 to chronicle everything on CDRs. And 20 years later, got them, got them up in all their 240 picture glory on YouTube. He's a true hero getting that up there for the world to see. Sometimes being a crazy Star Wars fan and hoarding things on hundreds of CD-ROMs pays off. We, we, we thank you, Matthew. Yeah, you know, George um, years ago told me that this is how it was going to be. 
you know, when he said, he was like, the kids that grow up with Jar Jar, they're not even going to think about all the criticism that happened back then. And, you know, it, it was very prescient the way he, he said it, because that's what's happening now. There's an existence um, of Jar Jar that is very different. You know, everyone who was a child at the time um, was, was, had so much endearment for Jar Jar, and that they just grew up with that. And they kind of looked at their parents like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, it was like people my age are the ones that, you know, were the, were the Jar Jar haters, but um, the young people really gave a lot of, a lot of strength. <laughs> not all. <laughs> I love that. No, not all of us. Present Thank company you. excluded, of course. <laughs> All right, so what do you say we start with some of these videos? There's 30 of them, and folks, we're going to talk about every one of them. We don't have anything else to do. There's nothing going on, folks. We're, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> I have a feeling you're not either. So so if this episode is seven hours long, so be it. So what's our, what's our first beautiful Ahmed Best on-location video? Well, we kind of we kind of ease into this whole thing. Well, the first thing you see is is becomes a reoccurring theme of these is is a a short little snippet of a background cast or crew person saying something about Ahmed Best. It seems like the majority of them are uh, backgrounds from the Outlander nightclub. One of my favorite parts in Attack of the Clones is when Anakin is walking through the Outlander Club and there's the, the group of ladies that he walks past and they're like, ooh, Aiden Christensen. Right. He gets all the all the pretty ladies dressed as aliens to say, this is Ahmed Best. But just when you're thinking, you know what? I bet you it's another pretty lady dressed as an alien. They, we get some uh, some treats mixed in. But this first one, he goes into the production offices and just barges in and starts asking people what they do. He must have like a, a George Lucas do whatever you want card that he had. And he just busts in and starts asking the production offices what they do. Here we are in the production office. I'm taking over the web. We are going into this room. I have no idea what this room is about, but it's a conference room. It has big stuff on it. I can just see the people in here talking about big stuff for Star Wars episode one, two. Let's move on. Let's talk to some people. Let's go. One of my favorite parts is he, he runs into this person, Kimberly, and Kimberly asks Ahmed Best if he's the new web girl. <laughs> We're about to move behind the desk at the production office, Star Wars Episode 2. Rick McCallum is in a meeting. We will talk to him, but we're not going to talk to him at all. Let's see what we can see here. Excuse me, would you like to talk to the web? Sure. Introduce yourself, please. Are you new web girl? I am the new web girl. Introduce yourself, please. My name's Kimberly. Finally, towards the end, he's... They're, they're going over call sheets, and they're talking about the people that arrived that day. And Sam Jackson, Christopher Lee arrives that day, and Ahmed Best's reaction is great. Samuel L. Jackson, shut your mouth. Who else is coming? Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee, shut your mouth. Who else is coming? Um, who else is coming now? Nobody else. You can't know that. Nobody can know that Star Wars episode two secret. <laughs> Which is the reaction that we all would have had if we were standing there in the office and there. Let us know who was coming in that day. It's a wonderful introduction to what we're getting with the I'm a Best on Location videos. And that brings us to our second one. Yeah, right away you're thinking, oh, okay, they're just he's talking to, to random behind-the-scenes people, but 
right off the bat. And number two, low down with Nick Gallard. He's talking to stunt coordinator Nick Gallard about lightsaber fights, and they decide to lay on the floor and just take it easy. And they're laying on the floor talking about Attack of the Clones. As you do, sometimes you just got to lay on the floor. www.starwars.com. I'm at best here. We are on the set. We are on the actual set of starwars.com. And we are about to talk to one of the main men. He was on episode one. He is on episode two. He is Mr. Nick Gillard. Hi. Mr. Nick Gillard, how you doing? Good. Please tell everybody on the World Wide Web what you do, Mr. Nick Gillard. I'm the uh, stunt coordinator and sword master. Stunt coordinator and sword master. And please tell everybody what that is. Um, it means I get to uh, blow people up or, you know, crash things. And I have to write all the lightsaber fights and teach them to the actors and all that kind of thing. He is the man. He creates the lightsaber fights. This man, one and only sword master, Nick Gillard. Nick, what have you been doing today? Well, I'm unfortunately been stuck here on the floor because... I haven't got my stunt. We're about to do an explosion on this ramp where eight people are going to be blown up. And uh, I haven't got anybody here to stand in, so I thought I'd do it because it looked like an easy job. It looked like they're filming uh, the the ramp explosion from the beginning of the movie. Oh, you might be right. She did her duty. Now we have to do ours. Yeah, but yeah, I love Nicolar just laying on the floor. It's perhaps his natural state. And then after that, we keep it going with... Uh an inter- a, a very brief interview with Gavin Bouquet, the production designer, on I think all three prequels, right? At least the first two. It's brief, but I feel like Ahmed Best asked him one question, and then Gavin Bouquet talks for four minutes nonstop without taking a breath. Can you explain to everybody on the web what you physically do, you personally? Wow, that's a difficult one. In theory, along with Doug Chang and the concept group, anything behind the actors or in front of the actors, whether it's location or sets or a mixture of location and sets, we have to somehow produce solutions for George to shoot. So anything that you see around the actors is usually to do with us. Um, and on this film, it's very much a, a mix between Doug and the concept group and us and the art department. So all the physical art department here are building the sets, designing the sets, finding the locations, making the locations work, choosing what we build on location, what we don't, what we do here, sorting out the schedules, trying to create five universes to use and to get that to as many creative people as we can for that, whether it's the juniors and the art department, everybody. So you really want to gather as many creative people around you as you can and, and try and coordinate all that all that movement of creativity. And then isn't he like, I got to go, I'm busy. <laughs> he runs away. <laughs> he literally runs away. Yeah. Amazing. Gavin Bouquet, very busy man. We know you are. We know you got to go. We will see you again. We will talk to you again. Thank you very much, Gav. But it's great. I think in 2000, I didn't know what a production designer did. And I, you know, I recognized his name from the credits and it was... I learned a lot. And that was the thing, too. Like, seeing a lot of these people, we didn't have the episode one beginning documentary yet. We didn't start to figure out who these new legends were, these people that we're going to be obsessively talking about for the rest of our lives. And it's like, oh, Gavin Bouquet. I've seen that name 37 times. I thought about sending him a bouquet of flowers because his last name's Bouquet, and I love the movie so much. If he ever shows up at a celebration... I want to give him a bouquet of flowers. He, yeah, he deserves one. This may be the first time we, we heard the craziness of George said this was going to be a smaller movie. 
um, we were led to believe at one point that it was going to be a slightly smaller film. Right. Um, from our point of view, it certainly isn't smaller. Uh, we've probably got about uh, 25% more things to do, more sets, more environments, more locations. And the, the speed of the schedule is even faster than it was on Phantom. So the, the, the look of the film is just going to be mind-blowing cause, just because of the variety of things we're going to see. George told us it was a romance. It was tiny. It was a small little personal film. There's lots of kissing, loving and kissing and hugging. That's pretty much the whole movie. No super battle droids. I don't even know what you're talking about. Don't tell Steven. He'll break his arm. <laughs> it's dangleweed. All right, what do we have next? So next up is the one and only Anthony Daniels dropping some big news that 3PO is back and he still doesn't have his coverings, which didn't really happen. <laughs> one of the stars, the premier stars of Star Wars in the Star Wars universe. We are here with the man, the man, the original comic genius, the original artistic, dramatic, thespian, Mr. Anthony Daniels, C-3PO. Is that all the stuff are you? I get? Is that it? Isn't there nothing more you can say? There is a whole lot more than I can say. That's fantastic. That's the best introduction I've had in a long time. <laughs> Poor Anthony Daniels, too, because like he's just like, oh, it's not going too well. I'm still trying. And it's like, man, and that's where is that footage? As far as we know, we right? They filmed some of it with him controlling the 3PO puppet. And it's just crazy to think just a year after Phantom Menace... Two years before the movie comes out, it's like, hey, look, there's 3PO bobbling in his head around and some behind-the-scenes stuff. Now, you're doing a different thing with C-3PO this time. I am. I'm trying because, you know, episode one, he was a puppet, as we all know, and um, kind of it was a little disassociated from my voice. So I want to try and wield this prop, which is incredibly heavy. It weighs about as much as a man does, and I have to wear it on my front. So I've got a whole team of guys trying to create a harness that really does work for me, that I can move him like I move myself, you know? And we're, we got another day to get it right before we start shooting. Ah! Hashtag release the puppet 3PO footage. So let's, let's start a movement. <laughs> well, wasn't there going to be a scene in Attack of the Clones 2 where Padme put on 3PO's coverings? So 3PO was created by Anakin, but got his coverings put on by Luke's mother. So like Anakin and Padme, 3PO is also kind of their child. We talked about this before, right? Didn't they? One of the toys, I thought the coverings came off. Yeah, it was in the stores. Yeah. All right, we got to move on. We got to move on. Well, up next on number five is the AD stare where he talks to assistant director Paul Sullivan. I think it was his name. Sounds about right. Yeah. The, he's the assistant assistant director. <laughs> Ahmed calls him the... 2 2 AD, I think, the second second AD. He's responsible for getting people in like the makeup chairs on time and stuff. We are doing AD styly. Right now, that is what I call the AD stare. ADs, what they do, they look into space, they see nothing, they're listening all the time. Thanks. Paul, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Could you tell everybody your full name and what you do? Paul Sullivan, second second AD. He is 2 2 AD. Second, second, episode two. Tell everybody what you're doing today, Paul. I do a little bit of everything. Pretty much hang out on the set, make sure that everything's happening on the set. At the moment, I'm making sure that all the cast are getting into makeup for checks so that they're ready when we're on the set. And, yeah, 
basically just make sure that everyone knows what's going on, that everyone's enjoying themselves and everyone's happy. I mean, it's great. Like you don't, when's the last time you saw an interview with an assistant director while they're actually assistant directing? Like they're, he was working while he was talking to Ahmed Best. This wasn't like he was sitting in a chair with fancy lighting and they're asking him questions. And there's like the poster of the movie behind him. Like he was just trying to get Ahmed out of there so he could get back to work. It's great. Well, and if somebody asked me in the middle of the night, splash water in my face and said, do you want to know who the assistant, assistant director on attack of the clones was? I'd be like, yes, I do. (laughs) I want to meet everybody. Tell me more. What was that like? So, and here it is. There you go. Yeah. Oh, this next one. Oh, this next one's good. Number six, yeah. The child casting stuff. He this maybe this is why they were like, we gotta give Ahmed a show with kids where he's the host because he is talking to the wonderful, wonderful Georgia, who is apparently four years old and been acting for six years, she says. Makes sense. It's Star Wars. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Star Wars doesn't play by those rules. It's like parsecs. <laughs> we are doing some more child casting for episode two, Star Wars. Let's see who else is here. Hello. My name is Georgia. Your name is Georgia? Yes. How old are you, Georgia? Four. You're four years old. Show the camera how old you are, Georgia. I'm four. Four years old. Yes. How long have you been acting, Georgia? Um, six. She's been acting for six years, and she's four years old. You heard it first here on the World Wide Web. This is the youngest actress ever. She's been acting since she was negative two. My absolute favorite part in this interview with Georgia is when Ahmed is asking her if she likes Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> you like Star Wars? Yes. You're a big Star Wars fan? You like Jar Jar? Yes. You think Jar Jar is the funniest character ever to be in Star Wars? Yes. You think the guy who plays Jar Jar is an incredible comic genius? Yes. You heard it here first, out of the mouth of the babes. Hello, Jar Jar. How are you? Good. You're very good. You're having a good time? Yes. It's a little Jar Jar for you because you're the prettiest. And it's the sweetest, most wonderful thing anyone has ever seen ever. Like, it just about makes me cry. Watch. (laughs) It's so beautiful. And we may never see Ahmed Best do the Jar Jar Binks voice again in person. So it's a special, it's a special moment and a special treat, a special point in time. <sighs> okay. What do we have next? Up next is Jill, and she is a set painter, and she is filthy and covered in paint, and she's talking all about set painting. Again, every movie has set painters, but how often does someone go and interrupt them in the middle of the day and talk to them about what they do. We are here talking with somebody really important to the Star Wars universe. Can you please tell us who you are and what you do? My name is Jill Paskins, and I'm a painter. Jill Paskins, and she's a painter. What kind of painter do you do? I do very messy painting. Like what? Um, I do uh, paint sets. I'm painting the sets, a few of the sets that um, are on Star Wars. How long does it take to paint a set? Oh, it depends how fast you work. How fast do you work? I work real fast. She works really Really fast. Do you do any other type of painting? I do fine art painting, yes. What kind of fine art painting do you do? I do paintings for people's homes. 
again, my favorite part of this interview is towards the end, she lifts up her shirt and shows the camera her belly button. <laughs> and you can see Ahmed Best be like, whoa, you can't. <laughs> she is painting the sets here in Star Wars. Let's see how dirty Jill's hands are. They are really dirty from painting and her belly button, but we can't show any of that on the website because it's not that kind of website. I'm at best chill. <laughs> things, things are getting wild on the Attack of the Clones set. Things are a little bit wilder in Australia in the 2000s. That's what Attack of the Clones does. Yeah, I don't know how many times I've been watching Attack of the Clones at home, and I just lift up my shirt and just show my belly button. Maybe to no one. Because no one wants to watch Attack of the Clones with me. <laughs> well, it's like you could you could take your shirt off completely for Phantom Menace because you were so hot. But if you take your shirt off completely during Attack of the Clones, you might get the chills. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to leave the shirt like half on and just constantly regulate your temperature between it's so hot and you got the chills. Okay. What's next? We're only eight episodes in and we already get the biggest of the big guns. Mr. George Lucas. George Lucas in lunch. It's snack time with George Lucas. It's snack time here on episode two. Everybody's working hard. Everybody's busting it. It's getting dark. And when it gets dark, what happens? Food. You got to eat some food. You got to do some food. And the first person at the food is... Hello. The first person. I'm checking it out to make sure it's sufficient for the crew. What a director. He is directing the catering. Is it any different directing actors than directing catering? That's good enough. That's Everybody good enough. Join in. Do you have to yell action to the food, or does the food just happen? You're scaring everybody away. Nobody's going to eat as long as you're here. <laughs> Ahmed Best is the best because he knows what the people want. He knows what the questions they want to ask. He knows what people want to see. And he knew his first time with Lucas we want to see Lucas eat. Is it celery? What is he eating? I can't even tell. It all, it looks like like a like a frog or something like a Jabba the Hutt frog or something. It's like a big stick thing. It's like a really fat beef stick. I don't know. When you get the sense too that the snack bar, the the catering had just opened up, and Lucas was the first to dive into a, a, the. Dinner time. He maybe was out of chocolate bars that day. Oh, well, and I love it too because I feel like Ahmed Best takes greater pleasure in possibly irritating George Lucas because this is the first of several Lucas interviews. But you can tell deep down that they're buddies. They were buddies on set. Like no one else is running up and talking to Lucas like that. Like, oh, George Lucas is snacking. Let's get the camera on him. Well, it's great, too, that he calls him G.W. Lucas, and Lucas corrects it to, to be WWW Lucas, because we're all about the WWW World Wide Web in the, in the year 2000. That's about the size of it. Ladies and gentlemen, the director, Mr. G.W. Lucas, directing the food. We're moving on. It's WW. W. Lucas. All right, what do we have next? So next, how do you top George Lucas? You don't. You go talk to Kevin, the money guy. <laughs> <laughs> Who pays for things and makes things get paid for on time. One of the most important things at doing any type of film is, you guessed it, cash, money, dinero, mean green, or in the case here in Sydney, Australia, mean rainbow colors, money. We are going to talk to the main man, with the money, can you please tell us your name and what you do? 
Uh, my name's Kevin. I'm the uh, production account for the production. And what does the production account for the production do? Well, we try and make sure that uh, we stick on budget and um, control you guys out on set. Yeah, well, and it's the same sort of thing. When do you ever see interviews with the money guy? Never. No one ever wants to talk to him. Who was in charge of cutting the checks on AOTC? I want to know. And it was Kevin, and he did it right. He cut those checks like a Jedi. He had access to things we can only dream of. Right. He probably knows how much Ewan McGregor's fake beard cost. He probably had Rick McCallum's home address. Yeah, he probably did. He probably has his home number. He probably just calls them sometimes. Dude. <laughs> I hope if still to this day, if you call Rick McCallum on the phone, he just picks up the phone. Dude. I hope that's his voicemail. <laughs> It's just that. And people hope he doesn't answer so that they at least get the voicemail so they can hear the dude. Dude, you called Rick. I'm in Prague. Leave a message. Which is all true. It's all really true. None of that was a lie. So what do we have next? After uh, Kevin the Accountant, things get hot. They they do. It's it's Valentine's in July or whenever. I don't know what when they when were they filming Attack of the Clones? I don't know. Sometime in the year two thousand, they're in Australia and he finds everyone's favorite or at least our favorite john noel who looks like a little baby so young who refuses to tell ahmed best anything john Noel, could you tell us some of the challenges visual effects supervisor is going to have for episode two i don't think so you can't get any of that you have to wait till episode two comes out more importantly john Noel also invented a nice little program all you computer people know about called Photoshop. John, no, did you or did you not invent Photoshop? Oh, I had help. My brother. His brother, whose name is? Thomas. Thomas, no. The first guy you see when you load Photoshop. How is working with Photoshop similar to being a visual effects supervisor here at Star Wars? You have a large palette of tools and uh, you can combine them in almost infinite different ways. Yeah. He's like a black hole. Nothing can escape. Not even secrets. Did he listen to the Will You Be My Valentine episode? We don't know. Like, for a minute there, it was like, oh, maybe John Knoll's going to listen. But then, then, I don't know, the information stopped. Maybe because John Knoll did listen and the episode got sucked into a black hole. Can you even still listen to it on iTunes? I don't know. Yeah. I haven't tried. It's just static. It just goes, shh. Well, uh, this this little conversation with uh, the living legend John Knoll is great, too, because for some reason I feel like John Knoll and Amon Best are whispering to each other. They are. They are, because they, they don't want the secrets to get out. <laughs> well, and, and Ahmed keeps putting on, what is it, his uh, his computer face? What did he call it? Well, at one time, too, doesn't he call John Knoll a poet? Yes, he does. It's true. He knows. He's the best. He knows what's up. John Knoll, visual effects supervisor, poet. Computer genius, www.starwars.com. You can't get it anywhere else but here. I'm at best, computer face. See ya. Well, I'm, maybe he knows something too. Does, I wouldn't be surprised if John Knoll writes poetry. It's probably the most mind blowing poetry anyone's ever read. I think anything that comes out of his mouth is poetry. I think he cannot write poetry because that's just how he talks. I'm sure it's true. All right. What do we have next? We're back with uh, everyone's favorite, Nick Gallard again. A really short one. Really, really short one. And we, yeah, Ahmed, Nick taught him part of a lightsaber fight. And they're doing it in the parking lot. 
Nick Gillard just taught me a lightsaber move, yo! I didn't do that in episode one. I'm not going to do it in episode two, but I did it right now for you, www.starwars.com. Nick Gillard, I'm the best. 213, West Side, East Coast, Brooklyn, StarWars.com. I love this job. I'm out. I'm out. It's too much. It's just too much for me right now. I kind of miss those old aluminum sticks they used to use before they figured out how to make them look like real lightsabers like they do now. And they're literally just beating each other with aluminum sticks that bend. I miss them. And then every time we go to a Star Wars celebration and I hear fans clanging their lightsabers together, then I don't miss them anymore. <laughs> Flashback to the time we were trying to sleep. I, no, I think that was the 40th anniversary in, in Orlando. It was. I, did, I, was, I was sitting outside. 4.30 in the morning, trying to sleep. Clang, 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 clang. <laughs> I don't think I like Star Wars anymore. All right. So moving on. Moving on. Oh, the big guns are back out. Hayden Christensen drinking juice. Yo, I'm at best.com. We are here with the man, the new Anakin Skywalker, Mr. Hayden Christensen. Hayden, how you doing? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. What are you up to? Oh, I'm drinking some juice right now. Hayden is drinking some juice. He is drinking some Anakin Skywalker juice. You excited to be here? I'm very excited to be here. Some fun stuff today. That's what he does. How he stays so sweet. <laughs> Gotta keep those lips sweet. Gotta coat him with some juice. Kiss, kissing lips. Uh, yeah. Drinking juice through a straw. Just pucker up. I love Hayden Christensen. Love him forever. I still want to watch his little italy movie he did where he's like making pizza remember that i think it was on amazon maybe it was on netflix it was definitely on like amazon streaming or something i don't remember that oh it was like last year it was hayden christensen little italy or something it's like i'll watch it i'm gonna i'm gonna watch it and pretend it's anakin skywalker's dreams we got time (laughs) maybe next week maybe that's what we'll talk about i don't know (laughs) Um, what do we have next so next is Callum McFarland, who is the camera operator, going deep on the hot new thing in 2000 digital cameras. And that digital camera is huge. It's like the size of a car. <laughs> they weren't quite so compact and tiny yet. <laughs> and he, yeah, I like it. He's kind of like, too, like, I'm not quite sure how to run this thing. I know I look in here and I hit this button and it starts. <laughs> www.starwars.com We are here with one of the most important guys The most important guy On set other than Mr. George W. Lucas Introduce yourself to the world I went Callum McFarlane Callum, and Callum, what do you do? I'm a camera operator He is the camera operator He makes sure the camera is okay So you can see everything okay on screen Now these are different cameras from normal cameras They certainly are And uh, we're still getting a little bit used to them They've got a viewfinder, which is good, and they've got this, which uh, I seem to remember from the old one. So. But, yeah, it's crazy. It was 2000, and we're learning about digital cinema, which wasn't even a thing yet. Groundbreaking technology. Who brought it to us? The best. Only the best. Speaking of the best, what's next? Number 14, George Lucas is back. And he has nothing to do. He's just waiting. <laughs> I think beginning of this video, he just pops out of the back. Well, it's always fun, too, because Ahmed Best is a very tall man and George Lucas is a very not tall man. And it's just very Star Wars to see them interacting. But I like Lucas is very, very confused about the numbers of 
the whole thing that he created. Well, like he's trying to be clever and he kind of outsmarts himself for a second. He outclevers himself. I'm sure everybody on the web wants to know, how much can you tell us about what's going on in episode two? Um, I can tell you that it's episode two. It comes after episode one. And then uh, after this will be episode three, which hasn't been made yet. And then episode four, five, and six, which are all finished. Uh, and it's the first in the series. It's episode, I mean, it's not the first in the series. It's the second in the series. I can get confused with all this, but I can't remember which one I'm on. Where well, I am on two, I think. Um, so it uh, comes after one. It's the second in the series. It kind of takes a melancholy kind of turn towards the end when he's talking about definitely after episode three he's gonna do lots of directing yeah it's sad because he was like so energized after phantom menace it just seems like he had so much fun and now he's on attack of the clones and he's loving every minute of it and all he can think about is how much he wants to direct again because before that after return of the Jedi, he was like i'm never directing again i'm done tired of this crap and yeah i forget that for this brief moment in this interview, like he's just talking about how much he wants to direct again. So if anything, would you continue directing more movies after you're done with episode one, two, and three? Definitely. Yeah. You're going to do some more stuff. This is what I'm going to do from now on. Just direct. Just direct. You're going to do a little production here and there. Uh, maybe a little bit, but I'm going to focus on directing as soon as I finish number three, mm-hmm. which comes after number two. Two, which is the one I'm on now, which came after one, which is the one I did last time, and then four, five, and six, which I did before that, which actually comes after this one and three, which I haven't done yet. We're all very confused about that. Are you going to direct any other projects other than ones that you directly write or produce for yourself? Uh, no, I'll only direct the... I mean, I'm only going to direct movies that I write and produce myself. Uh, I'm probably not going to do that much other than what I do myself. Why is that? Um, I don't know. I just I'm I'm more of a filmmaker than a mogul, and you know I just I'm not that interested in having a giant movie company like all those other guys that I know. As great as that would be, would have been. He's got a family. He's got he's married. You know, and that's I always think of that uh, that interview was it like 2020 where he's like, oh, I just have, it's never going to happen for me. Very you know all my friends and Francis Ford Coppola talking like we tried to hook him up, but. George is very particular. She's got to like chocolate bars and Coca-Cola. So he's, you know, George is doing great. Would we have loved more non-Star Wars George Lucas written and directed films? Of course. But he's living his best life, as the kids say. We did get like eight years of him helping out with Clone Wars. So it wasn't like he was totally not doing anything. But yeah, it's, it's fun to see... Lucas with that glint in his eye, having such a good time. He had as much fun making Attack of the Clones as I had watching it. What do we have next? Number 15, the wonderful Dermot Power concept artist, costume designer. A peek into the Australia side of the Attack of the Clones art department. Dermot Power... Still working in Star. I mean, he did a ton of stuff in The Force Awakens. Something new that you have no idea what's about. Introduce yourself to the World Wide Web. Uh, my name is Dermot Power. Dermot Power, and what do you do, Dermot? I'm a concept illustrator. Concept illustration is something we haven't covered yet here on the World Wide Web. Tell everybody what concept illustration is. Uh, it's essentially, I just 
draw all sorts of weird stuff. <laughs> he draws all sorts of weird stuff. What do you draw this weird stuff for? Uh, kind of George kind of says he wants uh, this weird stuff, and then I draw it, and then uh, Trisha and people rationalize it and try and make it come to life if they think it's cool. So this concept illustration primarily involve costumes? Um, at the moment, for me, it's costumes. But, it's but creatures and uh, like Doug and Jay and Ed and people like that at the ranch do um, the machinery and the architecture. But I kind of tend to do costumes and creatures. If you go through Dermot Power's work, some of the stuff he created for Attack of the Clones, like you go through the Art of Attack of the Clones book, so much stuff like Shock T we can thank Dermot Power for. Well, I love in this too that he just says that basically his job is George wants weird stuff and it's up to him to draw it. That's Star Wars. George wants weird stuff. And then he gives it to Trisha, which is Trisha Bigar. This is that's about as close as we get to the costume department. I think that's my only complaint with these is he didn't get a chance to talk to really anyone other than Dermot from the the costume team. Yeah, that would have been pretty cool to talk to uh Trisha Bigger, but you know, she's very busy. Very, very busy. She may have been the busiest of them all, so it makes sense. So up next in number 16 is Dave Young from the effects team talking about kind of the on-set effects. He's got a gigantic rain simulator, so it looks like they were probably getting ready to film some of the Obi-Wan Django stuff, probably. Which I felt really bad because when I watched this for the first time, I like, had one of the dumbest moments of my life where I was like, wait, when was it raining in Attack of the Clones? And I was like, oh. Well, and technically, it, it kind of rains twice, right? Because it's just rained when Anakin has his nightmare and he's standing on the balcony, too. Oh, so yeah, It's very dewy. Very dewy. Actually, they're on that planet. There's a whole planet where it rains all the time, Jason. I know. I know. I know. I'm so Listen. I know. It happens. When I think of Camino, I think of indoors. That's true. I'm at best here, www.starwars.com, for the World Wide Web. That's right. You saw it. You heard it. You feel it. We have somebody that's really cool for us to interview, somebody really cool for you to check on to, to click on to. Special effects, really important. Please introduce yourself and tell everybody what you do. Hi, my name's Dave Young, and I'm doing the special effects on Star Wars. Dave Young, he's doing the special effects on Star Wars. What special effects are you doing? We've got uh, flight simulators for various speeders. We've got uh, massive rain rigs. We're pumping seven and a half tons of water a minute into the stages here. Dave Young, how hard is it to get it to rain in Fox Studios here in Australia? Well, that's going to be fairly major as well because of the quantity we've got to bring in. We had to bring in the uh, heads uh, from the States. We had to fly in stuff from all over the world to get it all together, but it's uh, all come together now, and we're sort of ready to set it up in the next stage. Where do you get the water for the rain? You just plug it into a faucet, or you just dump it into gallons, buckets, and stuff like that? Well, depending on how much we need, normally we pump we pump into swimming pools. We might have four swimming pools and huge pumps behind that. Uh, but on top of that, on this one, I think we can come straight from the fire hydrants because we've got the speed and the pressure that we need. His phone is ringing. He got to go. We got to go. Dave Young, special effects. Please check out StarWars.com. To see his work, to see that fight simulator, and to see me. Peace. All right. So what do we have next? Oh, boy. It just keeps getting better. Joel Edgerton standing in the desert with a, with a big T-shirt towel on his head, talking to Ahmed Best in the sun about being Uncle Owen. To prove that he has what it takes to be the new Uncle Owen, he does the loot call. 
Luke, 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 Luke. And he keeps talking about Ep 4, about all the stuff that happened back in Ep 4. www.starwars.com. I'm at best here. Mr. Joel Edgerton, premier Australian actor, here with us in the desert in Tunisia. Joel, how are you? Oh, pretty good. Tell everybody, Joel, who you are in Star Wars Episode 2. I am Owen Lars. Owen Lars. Who is Owen Lars? Well, soon to be Uncle Owen Lars, uh, Luke's guardian from Ep 4. Give us a little Owen Lars for the World Wide Web. Luke! Luke! It reminds me, like, with, you know, awkward conversations you have with people where they're talking about Star Wars where they say things like that. Yeah, my favorite, Ep 4. Uh, maybe that's how they do it in Australia. I like that he talks about when he was a kid and his, his favorite aliens, like Bumface and Greenface Man. What brings you to Star Wars Universe? How do you feel about being a part of our little family here? Ah, it's very exciting, especially when you're on a set like this. This is pretty cool. Well, Seeing some of the original characters from the, uh, the bar scene in Ep 4. Characters I used to call things like Bumface, <laughs> which is... Um, He's uh, right over there, I think, somewhere. The Greenface Man. Man, which is a greedo. That always reminds me of uh, our friend Matt went to the, uh, it, now it's Mopop, it used to be the, the sci-fi museum in Seattle. And he like, I think he called me when he went there, before I went to it for the first time, he's like, they got a bunch of masks from the cantina here. And I was like, oh, really? Which ones? And he's like, I don't know, googly eyes. <laughs> it's true. Well, it's like when we always talk about when Spina's on, how it's like the names you came up with for the creatures when you were a kid. Or just before they had a real name, till you can talk to your friends, are always better than the real names. Oporancesis will always be Bearded Snake Man to me. So it's a lot easier to explain to your friends who might not remember either. It's like, it's Green Face Man, the guy with the green face. Oh, yeah. When I was a kid, Dengar was Toilet Paper Man forever. And I'm sure every kid you told that about Toilet Paper Man were like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. Joel Edgerton, hopefully we will see you again soon. Sadly, I'm at best did not have time to interview Bonnie Peace. Maybe I'm at best will be on the set of the Kenobi show and we can uh, make up for that. But I'm at best kind of makes up for it in the next one. He doesn't have Bonnie Peace, but he does interview a man in an Ishi Tib mask getting a hairdryer blown into his mouth. <laughs> Talking to uh, Trisha whose job it is to to help the people with the mask. And definitely the person inside this Ishi Tib mask died that day. It's so nice that we at least have footage of his last minutes. www.starwars.com. I'm at best here in Tunisia. In Tunisia, trying to give some people some air in the heads. Airheads. We're here with Trisha. Trisha, how you doing? Hi, good, thanks. Bit warm out here, so we're just going to give this guy some air. We're just going to prop his mouth open a bit. Got a bit of a tear happening here, so I'll have to do some minor repairs on this one. We've got, a, as you can see, the latex has torn a little, so we'll do some repairs on that. We're going to have a drink break soon, but in the meantime, we'll just prop him open so he can get a bit of air in. It gets a bit hot in there. How long do you have to keep the creatures in their heads? Well, we try to keep it no longer than about 30 minutes in this heat, um, preferably less if we can. Um, They've been in for about 20 minutes now, so we're going to do a couple more takes, and then we'll give them a um, drink break. <laughs> Poor person. just We don't even see this person's face inside the Ishi Tib mask. Oh, it was a dark day for that, ishi, that brave, brave person. 
that gave us the second of footage. Because I, I, I was like, man, where's an Ishitib walking around in the back of Mos Espa? Not, not all heroes wear capes, but some heroes wear Ishitib masks. <laughs> so next is the wonderful Jilly Huxley, who is a rigger, and she is up 50 feet in the air in a crane with Ahmed talking about hanging things. I'm at best, www.starwars.com. We are here 50 feet in the air. We're talking to one of the riggers on StarWars.com. Hello. Hello. How are you? Good. Hi. What's your name? Jilly. Jilly Huxley. And Jilly Huxley, you are a rigger. What is a rigger? A rigger works at height and sometimes on the ground. They hang anything that can go up, basically. Approximately how many things have you hung for Star Wars? I've hung maybe a good 700 lights and maybe a good... 800 kilometers of cable probably i actually thought this one was really interesting how she was talking about she had to go to school for the physics of properly hanging lights it's much more involved and you got to use your head more than you would think yeah well you're basically hanging very heavy things from a ceiling and if they fall they will crush people, and it's, you don't usually get asked back, I think, after you crush people. I would not get asked back, that is for sure. Right on. What kind of math do you do here for rigging? You use basic physics, things like um, if you hang something and you need to pick it up in two points, the angle of it is important. If you start spreading the angle too far, it starts to bow, So, and it changes the amount you can actually hang, the strength of what you can hang. You're an electrics rigger primarily. Yeah. Approximately how many lights per day do you rig? Somewhere between 20 and 50. 20 and 50 lights. She rigs it all day long up here, hanging from the rafters. Chili Huxley, we got to get down because I'm about to wet myself. So who do we have next? So next we uh, is the beginning of a trend that you'll notice, and we meet... Another Trisha, Trisha Noble, who is Padme's mom, right? Yeah, Jobel Nayberry. Mm-hmm. And the actress is stoked to be on a Star Wars movie. I'm at best here, www.starwars.com, on location, on set. We're talking to more native Australian actors since we are here on the Fox. Sydney Lott here in Sydney, Australia. Good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon, Ed. I'm just fine. Tell everybody on the World Wide Web what your name is. My name is Trisha Noble. Trisha Noble, and you are here on the Star Wars Episode 2 set. Are you excited? I'm absolutely stoked to be doing Star Wars. She's stoked to be doing Star Wars, just like the rest of us. <laughs> Which is not what I expected Padme's mom to say the first thing, how stoked she was. Is Padme's mom in the movie at all? No. She's in Revenge of the Sith, though. Yes, at the funeral. But yeah, she's only in the deleted scenes. So this probably messed with a bunch of people's heads who watched this in 2000, us included. And then when we saw the movie, they weren't there. Do you think anyone, any brave souls have ever made like an Attack of the Clones supercut where they're just really into Padme's family and they leave the movie as is, but just edit back in? All the Padme family scenes. I hope so. And they put the same. They put the scenes every ten minutes, just because they're so into them. <laughs> they just keep putting it in. <laughs> Can you imagine if all the Padme family scenes were in the movie? There'd be a huge chunk of time there in the middle of the movie of just the Padme of the Nayberry family. Well, you know, we have the technology; it exists, <laughs> and now we have the time. So maybe, 
maybe there's something to do on our uh, in our free time moving forward. <laughs> All right, so who do we have next? This next one is incredible. This may be it's I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's up there in like maybe the top three. He talks to the incredible Nash Edgerton stuntman, who is Kenobi's stunt double, who has the most intense face and has no emotion, apparently because the beard is glued on too tight and he can't smile. <laughs> I'm at best here. StarWars.com. We're watching stunts. We're watching people do falls. We're watching people flip, dip, slide, glide, shake, bake. And the master of the shaking and the baking it's standing right next to me. How you doing? Good, Ahmed. How you doing? I'm good, thank you. Tell everybody on the World Wide Web who you are. I'm uh, Nash Edgerton. I'm doubling for uh, Yo McGregor, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Nash Edgerton, we just saw you get wet and get funky. How are you feeling after that fall? I feel fine, man. I just can't smile because the beard's stuck on. Ah, the beard is stuck on. That's why he's talking a little bit funny. But trust me, he has perfect diction. Well, and that's that's Joel Edgerton's brother. Is it? Yes. And Nash now is a very accomplished director in Australia. That is amazing. I saw that their last names were the same. And I think for a second, like as a joke, I was thinking, ha, 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 maybe it's his brother. But it really is his brother. Wow. Okay. Well, he is incredible. You know, he's directed some great movies. Uh, he's done a lot of great stuff with his brother. But I don't know if anything can top the moment where he talked to Ahmed Bess and his beard was glued on so tight that he couldn't move his mouth. Very, And he's talking to Ahmed Bess like, yes. How long does it take for you to get prepared to do some falls and stuff like that? What, did you get the makeup on? Three hours or something like that, but... How do you prepare your body to take falls and flips and rolls? Well, they say roll camera. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't do any kind of extra training or anything? I like train, yeah, train and stuff. But like before the take, I just, you know, I have however long I got between getting my wardrobe on and walking up to the set. And also, do you think that beard they glue on, is that one of the same beards, one of the fake Ewan McGregor beards? And maybe it is, and maybe that's why it doesn't quite fit his face because it's like it's made to fit Ewan's face. And they're like, "Well, we just got, well, let's use the same beard." It's it looks like it's made out of steel wool or something, so it's probably reusable. What if it's Maydean's beard? Why isn't there like a whole collection, like Star Wars collection, the fake beards of Star Wars? I hope so. someday, someday, the next uh, art museum tour hopefully will just be all the fake beards. If they if they would have just stopped here, I would have been happy. This one was so good. But they keep going. And they keep getting awesome. The next, what do we have? More of Padme's family. Claudia Carvin. Sola Neberry, Padme's sister. Also, not in the movie. Yeah, her older sister. I'm at best here. On location, StarWars.com. We got Australian actors in the house because they have to be local in order for them to get on the set. StarWars.com. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Could you tell everybody on the World Wide Web what your name is? Claudia Carvin. Claudia Carvin. And she can't tell you what she does, because you can't get none of that yet. But, how has your time been here on the set of Star Wars? I've had a ball. The first, I think probably about the first take, I was a little bit nervous. Really? A little bit, yeah. And then after the first one, I thought, this is good fun. This is great fun. And I've had a great day. Uh, well, you know. We were all mad when the the scenes from the 
Force Awakens trailer or the Rogue One trailer weren't in the movie, and that really isn't anything new because here we met. Well, by the end, we'll have met three brand new characters who didn't make it into the movie. Why isn't there a Nayberry Family Black Series box set? That is what the people want. That is what the people are asking for. That is what the world needs right now. No, you know, you're distracting me here, but it is kind of incredible we never got a Nayberry Family set because Attack of the Clones time was when it was all about the completely ludicrous sets. That's when we got all the Jedi Council and we got Dooku holding the hologram of the Death Star plans, talking to Pago the Lesser with half of the strategy board. The 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 Lucas family, Baron Papanoida and his daughters, they made Bail Organa and Obi-Wan Kenobi holding babies. How did we miss that? I guess it's technically probably because they were deleted scenes. If they would have made it in the movie, I we would have we would all have that set. Right now, sitting in front of us. Didn't they make action figures for the the information droids that Obi-Wan takes the the Camino saber dart to? No, you're right. They did. I have them. You're right. So they did do deleted scenes. Oh, I don't know. Star Wars Mysteries. All right. Well, next, number 23, we're talking to Don Bees, who is the R2-D2 Wrangler on Attack of the Clones. Getting ready to take R2-D2 on a world tour, it sounded like, right? A promotional tour or something? What's up? <laughs> StarWars.com, I'm at best. Yes, I am back, and I'm doing more. We are here in the documentary closet. This is where all the documentary people hang out, put together the documentary for Star Wars, and look at footage. And right now, somebody looking at footage here in the documentary closet is somebody, Johnny Tumit. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. What's your name? Don Bees. Don Bees. Don Bees, what do you do? I look after R2-D2. He looks after R2-D2. Tell everybody what R2-D2 stands for. Real 2 Dialogue 2 from American Graffiti, according to George. According to George Lucas, R2-D2, for those who know sign language, means Real 2 Dialogue 2 from American Graffiti. What are you about to do with R2-D2 right now? We're about to take him on a whirlwind tour of Italy, Tunisia, and uh, Spain. So we're moving locations. We certainly are. I love that Ahmed Best asked Don Bees if he is R2-D2's mother or father or Uncle Pete. Do you consider yourself R2-D2's father, big brother, cousin, second cousin, Uncle Pete? Uh, mother? No. Manservant. I'm his manservant. R2-D2's manservant, Mr. Don Bees. I am my own manservant, Mr. Ahmed Best. Star Wars Episode 2 and R2-D2 language, that's Star Wars Episode. So next, number 24, we are speaking to Graham Blundell, who is Padme's father. Ahmed Best here, Star Wars Episode 2. On location, Lake Como, Italia. I am sitting in the shade with one of Sydney's premier actors, Mr. Graham Blundell. Graham, how are you? This is a pretty fantastic place to go to work, isn't it? I mean, it's amazing for an Australian actor. Here you are, you get a first-class trip, uh, Cathay Pacific, the best airline in the world. Stay at one of the world's best hotels. And you turn up at work to do about, you know, eight minutes of work. It's not bad, is it? Which is really outrageous thinking that it's kind of, it's, it's kind of like, like Mon Mothma in Rogue One. And the fact that she was in the deleted scenes from Revenge of the Sith, 
But even in Revenge of the Sith, the person that played Padme's father in the deleted scenes from Attack of the Clones was in Episode 3. Well, and that's just further proof that those deleted scenes really happened and the bedroom scene in Nakitula are real. Sweetheart is real. Sweetheart happened. There's sweetheart deniers out there, but they are incorrect. Never forget the time at Celebration Anaheim 2015 when someone dared to ask you what the deal was with your sweetheart t-shirt. He didn't know about Nakatula. He didn't click that button on his DVD. <laughs> and we told him about it for 20 minutes. That guy yeah. probably probably hates Star Wars so much right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? <laughs> You're not watching Attack of the Clones DVD? Deleted scenes? Come on. Anyways, okay, where are we going next? Well, we can't move on quite yet because we have to talk about the part where Graham talks about how he didn't realize Star Wars was a super cult phenomenon. We are here working on Star Wars. How do you feel about Star Wars? Are you a Star Wars fan? Have you been a Star Wars fan? Well, I uh, took my kids to it 20-odd years ago, um, knew little about it in the meantime, but now I find that there's this sort of super cult phenomenon that, that's uh, emerging. It's absolutely sort of extraordinary to be, to be part of it. I mean, a lot of my friends said, uh, look, just bring us back some autographs. Uh, my son said, just bring me back uh, Natalie Portman, man. <laughs> that's the only way I want to refer to Star Wars from now on. The super cult phenomenon known as the Star Wars. This is a podcast about the super cult phenomenon, the Star Wars. All right, up next, 25, Who Can It Be Now? Who can it be now? <laughs> it's John Knoll. He's back. They're in Italy, which is Naboo, and they're talking about CG doors and painting out lamps and John Knoll magic. I'm at best here, www.starwars.com. John Knoll, we're back in Caserta. What is going to be different about Caserta, visually, effects-wise, that was not in Episode 1? Not in Episode 1. Well, you see these doorways we have here? Uh, last time we actually had set pieces that were uh, fitted inside the doorways, um, which we will not have this time. We'll just have blue screen. We'll be uh, adding the, the set pieces in afterwards. Also, you can see there are uh, candelabras on the walls. Um, and last time... Uh, now, obviously, you can't take them down, so we had to just uh, shoot them and then uh, paint them out afterwards. He's in all business mode. He's like, well, we're going to take out those candelabras, and we're going to do the door over there. He's just, like, surveying the palace, just imagining how he's going to John Knoll it up. These are really kind of a tease because John is really, he's, like, holding back. He's not hes not giving us the the dirt that we would expect, but... Like you were saying earlier, this is like before the beginning. We didn't know. We didn't know about all his powers yet. We thought he was a mere man at this point. (laughs) We were impressed. We were intrigued. But we didn't know. All right, so moving on. So up next, number 26, the super famous Annie Leibovitz photographer who took lots of Star Wars photos over the years for Vanity Fair. And this is actually one of the longer ones, and it's kind of just her hanging out, (laughs) sitting in the grass, just waiting for them to give her time to take photos, and she's just chit-chatting with Ahmed. Ahmed Best here, www.starwars.com. I'm sitting on a hill, Largo de Como, shooting episode two, Star Wars. We attract the most interesting of people. One of the most interesting people to visit us is world-renowned photographer, Miss Annie Leibovitz. 
Annie, you've been shooting pretty much all day. What are you actually looking for when you get on a shot like this? Um, w well, we actually have a, you know, several setup shots that we're going to do, and, and today was not one of those days, although we were hoping to get something done. Actually, what you're doing is you're waiting for when I'm waiting for when I'm going to be given time to work with uh, our stars. Well, it's so cool to see her on the set of Attack of the Clones because and it really brings it home. Like, I mean, it feels like yesterday where we were talking about the Annie Leibovitz Rise of Skywalker photos, freaking out. You know, it, she's been there since the beginning. She's chronicled these the making of these Star Wars movies for such a long time. And, you know, I and I hope that keeps going. Well, maybe they had her, they should have had her out for Mandalorian, maybe for season two. Maybe they will. I, I remember, do you remember at Celebration they showed a photo of, like, all the directors, all the Mandalorian directors together with, with like, Kathy Kennedy, and it was mm -hmm. Rick and Deborah Chow and Filoni and Taika. Where's that? Where's our Mandalorian real behind the scenes dirt? Any like, period. Well, it just seems that because now with that technology for Mandalorian too, it would be really neat to get like a photographer there and see, you know, just taking still photos, kind of like what they could do with those with those backgrounds. Could we get the the kind of crazy Star Wars photos that we have we're used to from the Vanity Fair stuff, but with the uh, the crazy LCD screen technology they have. Well, and with the Annie thing, too, I like that she gives us a George Lucas quote of him saying he's making movies, not making cars. Waiting. And as George Lucas says, you know, we're making movies, not cars. So, <laughs> Which is why she has to sit and wait. Of course. So next we're back with Anthony Daniels, part two, in the homestead in Tunisia. I think he's wearing a goofy hat because it's hot and sunny. Still working on the puppet. Still working on that 3PO puppet. www.starwars.com. I'm at best here in the homestead in Tatooine. We're in a place called Makmata in Tunisia in the desert. And this is where the homestead is. And right now we have the man himself, Mr. Anthony Daniels. Anthony Daniels, how are you? And how are you? I am good. Thank you very much. You're back in Tunisia. How does it feel being back in the desert, in the heat, where it all began? Weird strange, hot, uh, kind of fun to have all my friends around. Which, when he was talking about how he never made it down to that level of the Lars homestead, I was like, oh yeah, 3PO never did. No, even the oil bath. Where was the oil bath? In the, the like, the back room. Oh. Where the, land, where the land speeder is in the hallway. Well, and then even in Attack of the Clones, he never made it down there. Now, you haven't been on this set ever, on this particular set with the evaporators. How does it feel coming to it? How was it? You saw it for the first time. What was your impressions? What did you feel? I saw it for the first time in the movies themselves. I was one of the people in the audience looking down into this pit. I only ever made it up to the top before. And I think it's progress that I come down three levels. Yeah, I, I think that's neat. I think, I think that's like karma. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. I was born to, to sink. Well, I'll tell you one thing, everybody out there on the World Wide Web, I loved it. I know you're going to love it when you see it on screen. You can't see none of it on screen right now. This is the man. This is the originator, never the duplicator, Mr. Anthony Daniels. I'm on my best, www.starwars.com. I'm always bringing yo, the gas holy yo. All right, so this next one, number 28. This is the wild stuff. They're in Seville, Spain, and Ahmed is just talking to the Star Wars 
fanatics at the gate. It's like they're trying to get into Star Wars Celebration and everyone is just pressing against the fence. High five and Ahmed Best. This is the thing. Remember, didn't Lucas talk about this? Was it the 40th anniversary or one of the panels about being in Spain and kids who didn't even speak English just wanted to touch him because he has something to do with Star Wars? Well, in in the beginning of this too, doesn't Ahmed Best say that John Knoll is out there slapping hands like Michael Jackson? I think so. <laughs> www.starwars.com. I'm in Seville, Spain, on location, rocking it. These are all the Spanish people who wanted to come see us. We're going to go say what's up. John Knoll is snapping hands again like Michael Jackson. What's up? What's up? What's up? How y'all doing? You chilling? You chilling? What's up? Peace. I had to rewind it a few times like, wait, 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 wait. Did he just say that? And like, you see someone going down the line of fans, and I'm like, John Noel giving out a bunch of high fives, just people passing out. Ugh. They should start doing that at the conventions. It's like, if you don't want to pay for an autograph or a photo, you can pay like 10 bucks, and then all the celebrities just stick their hand through a fence, and you can just walk by really quickly and high five them all. That's all, that's, that's all I would want to do. <laughs> if I could sign up for that right now, that is literally all I would do. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're missing out. Okay, so number twenty nine. Here we go. We're getting we're getting to the end, and things are things are getting hot. Yeah, we're uh, we're getting close to the sun. We're starting to sweat. We're starting to melt. The big man himself, Rick McCollum, shows up. It's all sunshine and autographs. <laughs> That's like the first words he says. He's Rick McCallum. He's wearing sunglasses, just being pure Rick McCallum, and he's talking about. Oh, I'm working with the best director in the world www.starwars.com I'm at best here with the man, the producer Mr. Rick McCallum. Rick, how you doing? Very good, Helmet. Now, a lot of people don't understand how much work you do as producer of one of the biggest movies of all time. Could you briefly tell everybody everything that you just run down, that everything you have to do as soon as the day starts? What's, what's going on? It's all sunshine and autographs for me. I have such a great crew that um, it makes my life really easy. But uh, we have a lot of things. This is our fourth country that we've been to. Um, we travel with about 15 tons of freight. We got planes, we got trains, automobiles, everything we got to crack to be able to get to each country. Um, but I'm working with the best director in the world. He makes it so easy for all of us. So it's fun. It's great. Oh, so good. Yeah. I think his sunglasses are wearing sunglasses. If Rick McCallum ever writes a biography based on his life, I want it to be called It's All Sunshine and Autographs. Never get tired of seeing Rick McCallum, hearing him speak. So, Rick, tell us what a good day is. What is a good day to producer Rick McCallum? A good day is when we organize everything uh, efficiently enough to make sure that George can do whatever he's, he's set out to do uh, each day. I mean, the schedule's a big thing for us. We try and do it every, obviously, each day under budget um, or on budget. But most of all, it's having all the tools that he needs to be able to express himself each day. Rick McCallum, www.starwars.com. I'm at best taking it to you. This is the man who makes it all happen. He brought me here. He's bringing you there. Peace. <laughs> Episode one, two. Yeah, that is this. They they knew what they were doing with these and and building up to finally seeing Rick McCollum. And then we get next with number 30, we get like the epilogue here where more George Lucas, Lucas rocking the sweetest special edition effects crew shirt, a big floopy hat and sunglasses, mirror shades. Yeah. And a, a precursor to Dave Filoni hat. Just looking like 
the coolest guy on the block. And I love Lucas just coming out. I love Spain. I love my shoot. And then he's just talking about how beautiful like the weather is in Spain. It's wonderful. George is perusing the area. He's checking out Seville, Spain. He's checking out his actors. He's checking out his actors. George, quick word. Being here in Seville, Spain, how do you feel about it? Do you enjoy being here? How was your shoot today? I love Spain. I love my shoot. We had a great time today. It wasn't as hot as it was supposed to be. It was cold, colder by about 40 degrees than what we expected or what it was yesterday. Why did you choose this location? I chose it because it looks like the palace in Nebu. Well, and it's like we were saying earlier, he is so happy. Like, he just finished location shooting, and he is smiling. He's happy. We don't usually You don't usually see that side of Lucas when he's filming a movie. So we've just come from Tunisia. We're in Spain right now. How is your location shooting going? Uh, so far, everything has been super. Uh, we've uh, actually shot so fast in Tunisia that we had an extra day off, uh, which was a lot of fun for everybody. Any difficulties, any problems, any big dramas that you had while we were out here on location? No, no, none at all. Everything went perfectly. Uh, the cameras worked perfectly. The crew worked perfectly. Everything was, uh, again, the, the weather was very kind to us. It wasn't very hot. It looks like he's really enjoying his time. The magic of Attack of the Clones. It's true. I love Spain. I love my shoot. I it's it's crazy to hear to him saying how he's got he's going to go to London and then he's got 18 months, mo- 18 months of post-production now when with the newer movies, it almost feels like they did the whole movie in 18 months. You have one week left in London. What are you going to do after that week? I'm going to go back and start editing. How long will it take for the film to come out? It'll take about another 18 months. 18 months. You got it here straight from the man who created it www.starwars.com it's his website I'm just a squirrel trying to get in that I'm at best taking a spin we out peace well we did it that's all 30 of the Ahmed best set videos uh, we'll put a link to uh, the wonderful playlist that Matthew created on YouTube uh, in the show notes so you can go and watch all these videos because they're awesome. They're so good. If you haven't figured it out already. It's such a treat to watch these. We're so lucky that they exist somewhere to where we can watch them. And they're short. They're like two or three minutes each. You can get through them all in less than an hour. And you'll have a smile on your face from start to finish because they're just a lot of fun. I mean, it's Star Wars behind the scenes. It's Ahmed Best doing what he does best. And it's the WWW worldwide web of the future from 20 years ago and it's i don't it's nothing but a treat but the thing about jar jar that i think um really resonates with me um and really was how i played the character was the fact that regardless of everything that he's been through regardless of who he's with where he is or decisions that he's made he'll never let you down and as you watch the movies and each scene that Jar Jar is in Jar Jar is just making everyone know and everyone believe that regardless of what you say to him what you do with him he will always be there for you and he'll never let you down yeah yeah
And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. you've got some time on your hands right now the perfect thing you can do (laughs) is head over to apple podcasts leave us a review write something sweet about the show and we will read that review on an upcoming episode and it helps people find the blast points when they search star wars podcast on apple podcasts it comes up it's like finding ochi's knife in the sand. Well, and after that, check us out on blastpointspodcast.com where you can search for back episodes. And after that, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you join the Super Chill group where you can talk about Star Wars and Blast Points all day, every day. And if you have a lot of time to chill, that is the place to chill. What do you want to talk about? You want to talk about Star Wars? Fine. You want to talk about what's your favorite kind of pasta? You can talk about that, too. Hey, we're not we're not being picky here. We've got time. That's all. <laughs> and if you want to support the show in a different way, we have got the Blast Points Army over there on Patreon where every Saturday we are putting out our Clone Wars reviews for every episode since the first one of Season 7 of Clone Wars. Just last weekend with episode review for Unfinished Business. It's a good one. And next weekend will be the first new, new Clone Wars that there were, we didn't know anything about. There weren't animatics out when we're, just, I think, getting into the Ahsoka stuff, so it's just going to keep getting more and more exciting. But that about wraps up episode number 210 here at Blast Points. I'm at Best Set Videos. It's the best. So fun to go back to. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Stay safe out there. We might have some extra stuff coming your way for everybody during this this crazy time so yeah take it easy do what you can don't do what you can't so thanks for listening and you'll hear from us soon thanks everybody bye bye may the force be with you goodbye old friend may the force be with you What's up? What's up? How y'all doing? You chilling? You chilling? What's up? Peace, shout it out. What it is? What it look like? We slap that hand. I feel like Michael Jackson. We're gonna try to talk to somebody. We're gonna try to say somebody. What's up? What's up?
What's your name? What's your name? Maria. 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 You a Star Wars fan? Are you a Star Wars fan? You love Star Wars. Hey, don't grab the mic. If you grab the mic, I diss you on the World Wide Web. Everybody say, I love Star Wars. We're going to move over down here. www.starwars.com. I'm the best. Rock in the house. Rock in the house. Everybody wants to know what the deal is. We're talking. Check them out. Keep them out. May the force be with all of you.